0: Why don't we make our way back to our seats? (laughs) All righty. Good to see our college students back in GPC. (laughs) Now I want to give you something special next week at this time. If you show up next week, college students, we got a free meal for you after church. With cake in it. you got cake. How many uh, college students like cake? <laughs> now, if you don't, raise your hand if you like cake, college students. Okay, now here's the deal. You got to give 10% to the pastor. <laughs> if it isn't, it's not anointed. It'll get you sick, all right? But hey, can we give our, our college students a hand one more time? And Our Phoenix youth are back here. And you start school tomorrow? Sorry. to school so our grocery bill shall go down in the name of Jesus and I want to welcome some of our parents here who dropped off their college students they're in a safe place parents I'm not that crazy I'm the lead pastor here so that doesn't make me kind of crazy doesn't it but I want to welcome you guys to our series that we started last week talk about Wired and we're talking about worship how many enjoyed the worship this morning it's amazing, wasn't it? I'm telling you. And what we talked about last week, just to go give you a quick review, and we went to John chapter 4, talking about uh, those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we talked about three things about true worship. First, true worship is focus. The second one is fervent. And the third one is forever, and we covered that. If you want to know, you can go on to thegracepoint.com, and you can pull down that message anytime, 24 hours, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But here I want to do this. this is our second installment called Focus. Everyone say focus. focus. How many have trouble focusing? <laughs> you know, there's a new term that came out. Everyone keeps using that term, ADD. It's not really. If you have a cell phone, you qualify for that. <laughs> Because it wasn't in the, in the books 10 years ago. But I want to talk about focus. You know, there's a research study that was done by Vicky Medvek, a professor at Northwestern University. She studied Olympic medalists, and she discovered that bronze medalists were happier than silver medalists. She found that the silver medalists tended to focus on how close they came to winning the gold, but they weren't satisfied with the silver. Now, she also interviewed the bronze medalists, and they tended to focus on how close they came to not winning a medal. And at all, they were just happy to be on the stage. Look at the difference there. And when you look at that study, it kind of reveals a fascinating facet about human nature. You know, our focus determines your reality. Your focus determines your reality. And that's the takeaway today. Because how, how we feel isn't determined by objective circumstances it is by it was a case that was a case the silver medalist who objectively did better would be happy but really the bronze medalist was happier because their focus was just getting on the stage which tells you how we feel is determined by our subjective focus not objective reality and when we talk about focusing on God and going through circumstances, that's very important. I'll give it to you plainly. Our eternal attitudes are more important than our external circumstances. What are you focusing on? Where's your focus? Our attitudes, internal attitudes are more important than our external circumstances. John Milton, English poet, wrote this quote. And it's an amazing quote. He said, the mind is its own place. It in itself can make heaven out of hell and hell of heaven. What he's saying is, all of us know people, but how many know people that can find something good, they can focus on something good even in a bad situation? And how many of you know those who can focus on something bad in a good situation? There's two types of people in the kingdom of God. I call them this. One is the complainer. And the other one's a worshiper. One's a complainer and one is a worshiper. And because where it is, bottom line, we tend to see what we're looking for. We tend to see what we're looking for. If you're a complainer, you look to see mistakes and complain about them. If you're a worshiper, you look to see God in all things. See, when you recognize that God is in all things, you can give all things to God. So you tend to look, see what you're looking for. If you're looking for a complaint or you're looking for something that's uh, not in proper order, you'll find it. You'll focus on that. But if you're looking for God Almighty, you'll focus on him. And that'll be your subjective focus that you have to use to get through some circumstances. Make sense? Because what I want to do is show you in the scriptures, there was two guys who had to really focus on what's real and what's important. If you go to Acts chapter sixteen, it's Apostle Paul and Silas. They go to they want to go share the gospel, do the right thing. I mean, be in trouble doing the right thing. Want to share the gospel? It was a uh, lady with the, uh, divination. She was um, a fortune teller, following them around. This is the guys from the high God who who is from here to share the news of Jesus, with? share the news of the gospel with him. And she's calling, following Paul around, following Paul around, and Paul just finally got so tired of that and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. Well, the demon left her. The problem is she was uh, good for business. So all her handlers, because when she did fortune telling, they made money. Well, now she's not effectively making money. So it's their fault. So for doing something right for God, here's their reward. They accuse them. And let's go to verse 22 to 36 and see what kind of day they had. Verse 22, Acts chapter 16. And the crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. How many know it's a bad day? And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into inner prison, and he fastened their feet in stocks. And at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I would not be praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly, everybody saying suddenly, and there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Let's look at verse twenty-two to twenty-four. Very bad day. Let's look what happened to them. Very bad day. They go first; they get stripped naked. Crowd joined them, attacking them. And they tore the garments off them, stripped them down. Next thing they did, they started to beat them with rods. Now, they were in a Roman province of, of the uh, of Philippi, the city of Philippi. Now, if it was a Jewish province or the Jews, when they used to flog you or beat you with sticks, which they are, they beat you with wood, they have to go. They wouldn't beat you more than 40 or beat you 39 times. Well, Romans didn't count when they hit you. How many when you were growing up, you know one of the worst spankings you ever got when your mom told you to go get the switch off the branch I'm going to hit you with? Oh, this side has never been spanked. (laughs) That's the problem. No, just kidding. (laughs) Beat them with rods. So when they beat them, they made sure they saw blood. Split them open. Now you're bleeding your back. You're just bleeding. Then they put you in stocks, which means they put you in a wooden thing, spread your legs, put you down, you lay down, now you're laying on your saws, looking up, hurting, painful, for doing the right thing. What would your response be? What would your response be? Well, me, me, Paul, I am never hanging with you again. <laughs> Man, I'm like, I, all I wanted to do is help somebody. Here I'm beaten. This hurts. I'm laying up, looking up, and this is killing me. I'll never do this again. And God, why'd you put me in this situation? God, it's all your fault. And Pastor Rich, why'd you put us here? That's just church, 21st century. Don't we blame God for our circumstances? We don't understand. First thing you do is blame God. Second thing, you blame the one you're with. And you blame the leader. It happened with the children of Israel all the time. Moses got blamed for everything. You know what i Mo- bless Moses. He should have quit. He says, you give me my retirement package right now. He said one point the, in the Bible, you know, death is better than this thing. I'd rather die than deal with this. Think about it. They complained. Didn't complain. Stripped them. Open wounds. Laying on your back. But what happened was, instead of complaining, they started worshiping. Here's a question. Are you a complainer? Or are you a worshiper? Instead of complaining do a worshiping let me tell you the difference between a worshipper and a complainer a worshipper makes a predecision to look for something to praise god about even in the worst of circumstances remember the children, remember the, the army of israel was stuck on a hill and there was Goliath in the valley. For 40 days, they went out and said, this is our day. We're going to take him out. And for 40 days, they ran back to their tents. And he's just screaming at them, just screaming at them. He's just too big. He was nine feet tall. And I don't know how wide he was. He was huge. they ran him back, and he screamed at them. Every time he told them, look, you're just going to run back in your tents anyway. They did. David shows up. David wasn't thinking about the giant. He was thinking about the giant giant. God himself. So his mindset was, I got a bigger giant than your giant. Now, you're big, but you're not too big. You're too big for me to take you personally. But I'm glad you're so big because I can hit you easily. All I got to do is throw this rock. And my God, remember I checked, last time I checked, he he, uh, created the earth in six days. Yeah, then took a rest. I think he can take you out. All he wants me to do is throw the rock. How many giants you got screaming at you? And all, 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 all that the giant did, all that uh, Goliath did, was scream about the past. How you can't go? You're not going to go. And all our God says, "The past is done. Jesus took care of it. Go forward." He's nothing. Our mindset, our circumstances, sometimes kind of dictate our lives, don't they? We're kind of scared of our circumstances. And we complain about them versus worship God who can take them out. A worshiper makes a predecision to look for something to praise God about, even in the worst of circumstances. How do you do that? It's called zooming out. It's called zooming out. Let's look at verses 25 and 26. This is how you zoom out. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to him. 26. And suddenly, everybody said suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons was shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open, everyone's bonds were unfastened. They took a step back. Because, you know, guys, um, I told everybody I had an interesting 15 months. I spent a lot of time in the hospital. You know, I spend most of my time like this on some crazy bed that wasn't comfortable. So all I can do is look up. Tests and more tests and that hurts. And I don't know what you're doing. I hate this place. Um, What I got to do is look up. You know, that's the best place to do is look up. Zoom out, you look up. Because worshiping takes our eyes off the external circumstances and then focuses on God. My my circumstances, I didn't focus on them, I focused more on God because that's the only thing I was able to see. Come on, somebody. See when we stop focusing on what's wrong with us or our circumstances, we can start focusing on what's right with God. We don't have the pity party. Because, well, you know, we like, you know, bad news seems to travel. And it sells, it makes money. We want to focus on ourselves and on our circumstances. And then we want to have a service about it and cry about it and confess about it. And that's time for that. But we need to still get, get up and focus on God and find out what's right with him. Psalms 119.62 says this. At midnight... I rise to praise you because you're of your righteous rules. You start thinking about what's right with God, the greatness of God. He's almighty. He's all powerful. His love endures forever. Even though you're laying on your back and you're in a whole bunch of circumstances, his love, his care, his protection lasts forever. It endures forever. And so if it endures forever, that means you shall endure with him. That's another perspective. And you don't have to worry about a song because Job in thirty-five ten he says he gives songs in the night. Sometimes when I have a restless night, I just start singing praises to God. I don't know where it came from. You think I feel like it? It just shows up, and it helps me rest. Psalms, 40, Psalms forty-two 8 says, "At the night, his songs are with me." These guys are laying at midnight, stripped. Beaten, tied up, chained up, singing. And then you know something? I can't even remember the last time I heard prison songs in prison. It must have been fascinating to those guys listening to songs in prison. Now, I used to preach that the prison down the street, the only songs they have when we in a room. I didn't hear guys at night singing. What a perspective. They could have been like, folk zoomed in on the issue, I'm just gonna use you, is that okay? I know you. Zooming in on my problem, I'm beating, <laughs> not my problem though, <laughs> can't take it no more. We zoom in on this and we walk around like this, how you doing? And you know some of the people that find everything wrong and they complain, you know, we had aunts like that. You asked your aunt how she was feeling? You don't wanna know the answer. The knee hurts, my back hurts, and, well, you know, <laughs> and they never say praise God for it. They just keep going, so you don't ask her. Well, you ask her once, and then you find someone who finds some good in them, and you actually, okay, help me out, because I just went under the, under the bridge. Because really, life is about deposits and withdrawals. I'm talking about when you're in a jam and circumstances, you go after God. But every day you have to go after God because either someone's going to deposit something in your life or they're going to withdraw something from your life. If you go only on Sundays and praise God, you go through major withdrawals all week. And he calls us as worshipers to be depositors, not withdrawal. There's a time I withdraw something from God, but most of the time I want to deposit and tell him how awesome he is. And I'm giving him praise, and I'm finding everything right with him. I'm not talking about the weather. I'm not talking about my marriage. I'm talking about how awesome and great he is. I'm depositing something to him. There's a time, sometimes you need something. But most of the time, if you know about in church, we don't come here to receive anything. We go and give praise and glory to God. When you give praise and glory to God, did you have an unsettling moment? Think about it. You have one of those unsuddenly moments. Jesus Fernando said this in a quote. So true. Singing helps us focus on the glorious eternal realities that maybe be clouded by the gloomy temporary realities. You know, temporary realities just kills my praise and worship. Just kills my praise and worship. You know, I, I find I find I'm very encouraged with our worship team. Because when you I know them and I don't know struggles they can go through in a week and they do other things. But I watch something fantastic happen. What you can see up here is not by talent. They're able to push aside what's going on in their lives and worship God, and then actually us worship God for themselves, they're actually bringing us into the presence of God with them. And I want to have a testimony from um, get up, go ahead, because my <laughs> mind is all. Uh, I've been up all night. <laughs> Hannah Gregory, I'm sorry. Yeah. I should have put the script in that I didn't put it in the script. She's going to share something with you about worship. Just a moment there.
1: Okay, I'm back. Y'all are probably like, why is she talking so much this morning? Um, but, yeah, Pastor Rich and uh, Josh just wanted me to share a little testimony this morning just about what I've learned about worship. Um, and I think it's important, just like Pastor Rich said, because if I'm up here every single week and, and leading worship and, you know, saying, lift your hands and declaring all these things. It's important for you to know what's in my heart and how I'm living my life and what worship actually means to me. So it has a lot to do just with what pastor just talking today and talking about our focus, um, and just the journey of what the Lord has, has brought me on to, to learn what really is worship. Um, so really what God has revealed to me and shown me, um, through worship is really having to do a lot with my obedience and just the sacrifice in my life. Um, You know, I know we talk about a lot here that worship is not just what happens on a Sunday morning. And I know a lot of us know that. um, But worship on a Sunday morning is the response of what's been going on in our lives the rest of the week. Um, So just talking about focus in my own life, the Lord has revealed to me that when when my focus is on Jesus, that obedience and my daily walk with the Lord, walking by the Spirit, and not by the flesh, um, and then also sacrifice. What what am I willing to give up? Am I am I walking completely in my comfort zone, mm. or am I actually in full surrender of what God of how God wants me to live my life? Um, and when my focus is on Jesus, and I'm choosing to put Him first, then sacrifice and obedience are just going to flow out. Mm. Um, and from that, when it flows out of me, that is my true life of worship. That's when actually it becomes a lifestyle and not just some religious actions that happen on a Sunday morning. Um, you know, and, and really what the Lord has shown me is worship is going to take you out of your comfort zone. Um, it's not something that the Lord's really shown me. It's it's going to mess with my, my comfort zone in my daily life. You know, if I come on here and come here on a Sunday morning. Um, and I might be comfortable with singing, but am I comfortable on Monday morning, getting up in the morning and reading my word? Am I comfortable, you know, saying, you know, no to this thing that I know is not going to glorify God in my life because I love him and I want to honor him. Um, because if I'm walking those things out daily, then a Sunday morning is going to be my response. It's going to praise and worship are just going to begin to flow out of my life and out of my heart on a Sunday morning. Um, Because not, like Pastor Rich was saying, because of what I'm going to get. But it's that deposit that we put in on a daily basis that I'm going to praise him anyways. That I'm going to worship him anyways. And it does look like coming in on a Sunday morning and lifting our hands. And maybe that's something that we have to learn to get out of our comfort zone here. Maybe you're not comfortable with lifting your hands. Maybe you're not comfortable with singing or clapping. But worship is a lifestyle, but it also causes causes us to have a response and say, you know what, I might not feel very um, excited this morning. I might not feel like raising my hands or clapping, but the Lord calls me to, yeah. and I'm going to do it anyways yeah. um, because he's worthy and because um, I'm choosing to be obedient and I'm choosing to sacrifice what I want because I want to give him glory and honor with my life. Um, so really, honestly, the Lord has just taught me that genuine worship comes from a heart that is changed and transformed by him. Um, of remembering what he has done for me already and that that is enough for him to deserve my entire daily life and to come in with the body of Christ on this Sunday morning and to give him praise through singing and lifting up my hands. Um, So so as we do that, our worship now has substance and now has meaning. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just coming in on a Sunday morning and going through the motion. Um, It's actually living that lifestyle daily um, and... That's all. But yeah, so that's what the Lord's just shown me. Amen. So I hope that's encouraging um, and just recognizing that worship on Sunday morning, we so easily tend to think about this type of thing. Yeah. Someone's playing in the guitar, someone's telling me to lift my hands. But no, worship is a lifestyle, and Sunday morning is the response of what we've been doing in our daily lives. So,
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks, Hannah. Everyone say response. Everyone say ability. Ability. I love the word responsibility. I took the word responsibility and I broke it up into two words. Response, ability, which means I have the ability to choose my response. I have the ability to choose my response, complain or worship. In the book, Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl, if you ever, he was a a P.O.W., he was a... um, Holocaust survivor. He was a Holocaust survivor. He wrote about the experiences being in a Nazi concentration camp. Everything was taken away from, he said, from these prisoners. They were stripped of their clothing, their pictures, and their personal belongings. They even took away their names and gave them numbers. Frankel's name, uh, number was 119104. Everything was taken away except one thing, Fran- Frankel said. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing—that the of, la- uh, one but one thing, the last of human freedoms—to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. I will read that again. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms—to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. I want to help you if you dealing like feeling like you're in a circumstance in the midst of your praise. Albert Einstein said this, you know, you can't solve a problem on the level it was created. You can't solve a problem on the level it was created. So when we give counseling the marriages and kids and all that, you can't, you can't solve on the level that you're at. You can only solve, you have to go to a higher, you got to go to something greater than you got to go to a supernatural realm, which is Jesus ourself, Himself, himself. One of the scriptures that helps me focus because I'm trying to solve because I want to solve and want to fix the problem, but I can't fix it in the same realm that it was created. I love Hebrews 12, too. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When you look at the word looking, it means the focus on Jesus, the conqueror, the founder of our first. It says he's the pioneer who went before us. If Jesus died, was killed, and rose from the dead, he has, and he's alive now, sitting with the Father, and I am with him, I can go to him on any circumstance. What we have to worry about in your circumstance, you got to get used to dealing with God on everything. We have to get used to dealing with God on every single thing, not trying to fix it on our own power, because what you ever try to fix on your own power is going to come apart. And you have to focus on Christ. He he already paved the way. He's the founder, the pioneer of all salvation for all our souls. Like we sung the song, bless the Lord all all my soul. Why? Because he freed my soul when he went on the cross. On my worst day, I am going to heaven. That's an up look, not a down look. On my worst day, I am redeemed. On my worst day, I am healed. On my worst day, I have freedom. On my worst day, I have praise. On my worst day, I am somebody I have identity in Christ. On my worst day, I am still victorious. And that helps me break through any circumstance. Because if we don't do that... The circumstances you complain about become chains. And you come chained up and you can't worship because the circumstance that you're dealing with becomes a chain in your life. And you're trying to worship God and you're all tied up. Your arms is all tied up. And you raise your hands. I can't. Had a bad week. I got to pay my bills. Marriage is falling apart. Kids left. This. And to get it worse, you have another chain on your feet. You're bound. But we have a Lord and Savior who broke those chains. That's why we're free. That's why you can't say, well, worship is not my personality. We will create it. To worship. And it is your personality. Because if I go see you in the ACU. Or Hardin Simmons or McMurray at a football game. And I see you cheering. I'm going to wait for that on Sunday morning. <laughs> it was worship. That set Paul free. And Silas free. Physically. And it's worship that will set you free. Emotionally and spiritually. And Worship. Is the key that unlocks my chains? Not the pastor, not a new job, not a promotion. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> Worship is a way out. And it sets the stage for miracles. When Paul and Silas were singing, they wasn't thinking about a miracle. They wasn't thinking about a way out. They were just worshiping. They were doing what their creator do. Worship the king of kings and lord of lords. And then God shows up in an amazing way, which you don't even understand. But if you're worshiping to get something out of him, that means you're trying to withdraw something when you need to deposit something. How about you? Are there circumstances that you're allowing to imprison you? Have your complaints about someone or something... Become your chains. If you're offended with somebody, I'm going to give you a good point. Don't let anybody control your life. The second thing is, don't let everyone try to create your life, because that's what happens when you stay offended. You stay locked up, they don't have a clue what's wrong with you. But anyone tries to create your life will always create it too small. What circumstance with someone or something brought you in here in chains that you can't move forward you can't do anything you're bound and enough singing with people it's not going to help unless you decide to say God it's yours unless she says you surrender and you know something you need to sacrifice that thing because it's become part of your identity because we get used to it as a kid Talking about the power of focus. As a kid, I don't recommend this to anybody. It was crazy. We used to have off ramps on our highways in in Queens, New York. And me and another guy will stand there and we'll act like we have a rope. And we watch cars go by. There's nothing there. But we're doing this. But nine times out of 10, someone would stop. And then we would take off or we were fast. And then one day, the guy who got out the car was a little faster than we were. <laughs> Till I jumped that fence. But you see what I, we, there was no rope there. His focus became his reality. To your circumstance it become your reality, but it's not you. Because your focus will determine your reality. What kind of change are you walking here with? And let me, it's not your mother's fault. Not your daddy's fault. It's not your supervisor's fault not the church's fault that worked when you were seven now you're over 17 take response ability walk into the destiny that God has for you don't let the circumstance define who you are when I look up I find out my true identity I'm with Christ when you look up, don't look up asking God, "Fix this. Give me a man. Give me a woman. Give me the job. Give me all that." That's not God's job. His job is to give you him, and then he'll supply everything you need. When you try to go the other way, you'll blow it up. You ask him for withdrawals when you should be depositing to how awesome and powerful he is. And then when you do that, the change automatically, you have a unsuddenly. You don't know where it came from. You didn't ask for it. And then he becomes everything to you. So everyone stand. Close your eyes. What giant, what circumstance is defining your life this morning? If you're a young student, has nothing to do with the way you look or how you don't look. You're his child. You're an adult. has nothing to do with your job and your status. Your circumstances do not define you. God defines you so you can worship him. So everyone's hold their hands out, receive something. Drop those chains.